What's up and welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I'm Christian, back here again with Ronan. It's been a minute. We haven't had a lot to talk about here, but it's going to be back. We are going to cover a little bit of East Coast basketball. We're going to cover the teams out here and talk about um, our thoughts, our questions, our concerns, all the above. But first, before we get into it, Ronan, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. Yeah, you too, man. It's good, 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 good to be back. I'm glad we have uh, we have some stuff to talk about. A few few things have gone down in the last couple of days. Nothing that we weren't expecting, but it's still it's still good signs for some teams that are looking to make a move next season. And then we're also seeing some question marks about some other teams where things might be hurting them and their their progression in the ex- in the next year. But the the main big thing we we saw out east is James Harden. He's, so, he's back. He, he's coming back. He's, he's taking his little pay cut. He's got a nice new deal. And it looks like he's committing to coming back and actually getting himself in some, uh, in some good shape. I, I have a couple of questions about that. Number one, what, what was the contract? 30, 30 what million? What was it? He's got 33 million this year and 36 and a half with a player option for next year. Okay. So, his idea of the pay cut essentially was that he was not going to be a super max player. Is that, is that the idea of the pay cut where he wasn't getting that like four year, 40 something million dollar type of deal? I think basically just, just to get, just get, get a, in one way you could look at it. He's betting on himself. He's going to make sure that he's worthy of a max deal next year because he has a player option. Then he can go back and renegotiate again, or he's just saying, this is the this for this year. Let's try and get some better players in. I'll I'll let you guys do that by taking a little bit of, bit from my salary to be able to pay more. That those are kind of the two ways you can look at it. I think. He's yeah. Still gonna get the money. He the pay cut is 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 for now. He's still going to get the money eventually. Is he? I don't know. I I the way I see it is like, isn't that representative of his market value? That money, maybe even, maybe even a little bit more. Than his honest market value. At this moment, I'd say yes, but in general, I, I, I think it's a think fair deal. I, yeah, it's a fair deal, but I still think for both could, sides. Yeah, I don't think it's a pay cut. That's my thing. That's my thing. Well. He could play up to to be earning a to be deserving of more come uh, come this time next year. He absolutely could, but he also could be underplaying it too. Like I think I think that's the thing. Like with this deal, that's how I would look at a deal. Is okay. What's the likelihood that he plays? better than this number what's the likelihood that he plays worse than this number and i come out for this in particular like 50 50 so i'm like was that i don't know was that a pay cut or was that fair i don't know it felt like a lot of optics for me it felt like we really wanted to try hard to view harden as oh okay he's being the good guy now like he's being a, a team first guy like okay all right do you i think that was a fair deal for both sides but i don't i don't entirely by the whole oh i'm just doing them this huge favor like daryl's my boy like come on I, come on that that felt like narrative to me yeah that's fair i think well the, the i'm sure daryl Morey is probably the only guy who could have probably got him to do what he did in fairness i don't think he was doing that if he was staying in brooklyn if he was still with brooklyn was he is he declining his uh his player option uh, i don't think so yeah that's fair that's fair. But let's start, let's start with them then. Let's let's start with these teams at the top of the East and Harden's back there. The 76ers last year, they ended with 
the fourth best record. Tied. Do we second and third? <laughs> tied. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was so tight, right? So Philadelphia, forty-one and thirty-one. The Raptors, interesting enough, forty-one and thirty-one. I. It seems like a distant memory where they had gone on this crazy end of their season run. What are you talking about? You're, getting that, you're getting that way off. Raptors are forty-eight and thirty-four, and the Sixers were fifty-one and thirty-one. My way off. Oh my God, my notes are reversed here. See, it's been a minute. I'm a little rusty here. <laughs> 40 and 34 and 51 and 31. I mean, that's only three games off. Yeah. It's only three games off of each other. Um, and then, yeah, the three way tie. That that feels like years ago, right? The three way tie. Yeah, that was a long, the long, long time ago. I mean, do we see the, the 76ers staying at the top there, the way that things are hashing out? Yeah, I think they could definitely be a challenger for a top three seed in the East as much as the the likes of the Bucks are going to come back better, Boston are going to come back better. And then, of course, you got other teams that we still don't know about, uh, like, the, like the Nets and the likes of them, and even the Bulls, what are they going to be like 100% healthy, hopefully for, uh, for a full season this year. So, But what they've got coming back, I think, is a better team than last year. And I believe they're going to get a much better version of James Harden back. I'm not saying it's going to be Houston Rockets, James Harden, the, the, what I agree, the best scorer in the NBA, James Harden, but Mm. he came back, he played 21 games with this Philly team last year. He averaged 21, seven and 10. And like, it was, it was, it was okay, but he was nothing close to what James Harden is and and should be in this NBA because he wasn't in shape. He, that lingering hamstring injury was still there, and he just generally he was overweight. He was not at the competitive level he needed to be. I mean, you just look at it, him in the playoffs. He only had one 30-point game in 12 playoff games. He had 20 points or less in eight of 12 games. He shot just over 40% from the field. And just, just below 37% from three, which wasn't too bad. But those are not numbers that James Harden should be putting up. And when, when Embiid went down and when he was, wasn't himself when he came back, James Harden wasn't there to take over. I hope that with this full offseason, getting more used to this team, he can come back and be a much closer version to to the James Harden that we saw dominate in Houston than uh, what we've seen over the last couple of years. What gives you that hope? I just, in fairness, all I'm seeing is it's just from what he's saying at the moment. He did that interview with Chris Haynes. He's, he's saying the right things. He's, he's acknowledging that he wasn't at peak level last year. And obviously that all this all started when he wanted to trade out of Houston, came back late for training camp, was out just partying, didn't really care. And he still hasn't got back in condition since then, really. But I like what he's saying. I believe he's in a place where he wants to be. He's with his boy, Daryl Morey. For the most part, they're kind of trying to reconstruct the Houston Rockets team that they had together back in the day. And uh, I think he's happy. And I think he wants to compete with this Philadelphia team. And that's why I believe we're going to see a much better version of James Harden. Yeah. I don't know. That's all like really like optimistic of you. And I really appreciate that. I'm glad you're being optimistic here because like you say he's saying the right things. I agree with you. He's saying the right things. And that has nothing in my mind to do with like him actually changing 
And I need to see that. That's one of those things like you need to see that change in, in his, not just his effort, but also like his physical ability, like his first step, his quickness, his ability to like get off the floor under the basket. Like there's an explosiveness that is not there that I'm not sure if that's still recurrent injury or whatever, but it just worries me. And like, I, I just need to see more. I need to see more from him before I buy into this. I don't know this re restored and renewed Harden. Cause I honestly look like I gave it a chance, a big chance. Like I thought maybe this is going to be the next big duo in the NBA just because of his playmaking potential and shooting with Embiid. Maybe the Nets are just a fluke, but it, it feels like you have enough data points to make a pretty solid conclusion that he is who he is right now. And it would take a lot to go back to what he was like, what he was in Houston was also an anomaly. So you, you got to think also about the fact that you have Embiid, you don't have the same amount of shooting. And I don't think that he has that same athleticism right now to do that much. And to, I, I just think it, there's, there's a lot there. But it's possible. I mean, I, I just I'm having reserved uh, optimism about them, probably because of what happened with when he transferred to the Nets to Philly. It just didn't pan out the way that we hoped it would. So hope is uh, a little bit out of a season right now, I'd say for him. Yeah, we'll, no, we'll no, wait. That's, that's, that's probably fair. I think. Uh, but it's it's, it's going to be how the team is built. I think how it can try and incorporate Harden's game more and not just have it all be about Embiid. Embiid is still the number one option, no doubt about that. But they got to find a way to, to play to Harden's strengths on the offensive end, let him get his preferred shots, even for parts of the game. Like even you think maybe like like eight to ten possessions a game, you just have Embiid uh, pick and let Harden pop off and, and, and do his thing. That's where his his major strengths lied when he was in the prime of his career. doesn't have to be all the time. doesn't have to be most of the time like it was in Houston, but they had to give him a chance to be able to do that. And like he averaged, I think, 13.6 uh, field goal attempts when he moved over to Philly, showing shot about 40% on them. Hope, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting and I'm, I'm hoping that ha- the Harden we see this year will be averaging somewhere closer to 20 field goal attempts a game and shooting upwards of around 46%. And he's never going to be like a 50, 40, 90 guy, the type of shots that he takes, but he can shoot a lot more efficiently than, uh, than 40% a game on, on a higher volume than he, than he was when he came in for those for the end of the season last year. Who do you want taking more shots? Tyrese Maxey or James Harden? James Harden. Really? Interesting. I don't, I think there's going to be, that is actually, I'm going to predict right now, that's going to be probably one of the most divisive subjects in Philadelphia throughout the entire season. If James Harden is taking, just chucking shots, trying to get into his rhythm and continuing to play inefficiently and Maxie's getting a third of the shots that he's getting, that would, that would be a massive, massive issue there. And, you know, that, that'll come down to something too, Maury or um, Doc Rivers. I mean, what, what, what camps are going to be there? 
I'm not, I'm not going to predict like a rift like this. Cause I don't want to be one of those people that, you know, kind of what they did to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But I think it's a legitimate thing when you have an ascending star like Tyrese Maxey, who's shown what he can do off the dribble with the ball in his hands, not just being this off ball guy. It feels like he's much more dangerous with the ball in his hands. And is that a guy that you want to invest in and try and grow? If Harden is continuing to struggle and maybe Harden, honestly, like just turns more into a, a just a primary passer at times, give, give Max the chance at times, but there, there's going to be competing ideologies there. Cause you're, you're going to have the coaching staff out. Who do they buy into? You know, more he's going to want to buy into Harden. That's his guy. And then Embiid, like who does Embiid want to go with? Honestly, it's, it, I think it's all it comes down to Embiid. I mean, transition this into the rest of the team. Like Embiid, both in a situation like that and a season that I think could be tumultuous because, like, there's just increased pressure, especially after the whole Ben Simmons thing. Like, you want to take a deep breath, but also you are just waiting for that moment. Like, they've just been waiting this whole time with Embiid to do something successful. And Embiid's a stabilizing force in all that, not just in the locker room and the perception, but on the floor, too. Uh, I just got to say, like, completely off last year when I didn't know if he's going to be playing. How many games did he play? I, I don't have it here, but it felt like he played pretty much the majority of the season. Embiid? I have, to, I have to, to look that up. But, like, he – Yeah, for him, I think it was definitely uh, definitely one of the higher the higher amount of games he's played. And that, that's the only thing that's, like, kept him out of MVP discussions. Like, games played. That That's, that's literally it. And for him to have been healthy last year, I, I do believe that's something that's that's habit. Like, and here's here's the difference, Ron. And when someone makes an actual change and then they start saying the right things, then I'll believe the change and the attitude at the same time. I'm not gonna listen to the word. Okay. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna go fair. back that's there. Fair. But for Embiid to to talk about taking care of his body more and to clearly have that show on the floor, like I think he's setting new precedents for like how we view him year to year and how we view the 76ers year to year. Cause there's always that asterisk. I don't know if that asterisk goes completely away for this season as we're looking forward, but it's definitely a change perception where like, I expect Joel Embiid to be a steady force throughout the whole season. They're not going to have, I, I don't expect there to be just this high chance of having a gaping hole in the season where they just are surviving without him. So I think as long as he's there, honestly, like they have time to figure out everything else. As long as Joel Embiid is fine, 76ers are fine. The rest of these conversations, I think they're, they're interesting. You know, how do we replace South Korea shooting? I don't know. Fun fact, actually, that somehow I have no idea how I'd have to look at the tape, but they shot better and they scored more without South Korea. That, that kind of shocks me, but more of that analysis later, but all that, all that stuff they'll figure out. Do they get development out of, um, out of, <laughs> God, like Shake Milton? Is he ever going to develop? Are they going to get development out of Paul Reed? He had some fun minutes. Niang, is he worth in the rotation? Thibel, is he ever going to learn how to shoot? Daniel House Jr., like rebuilding. All these things are fun things. Cool. That I think that will shape them into the team they end up being. But ultimately, I think this is all Embiid. Embiid is an MVP candidate who will keep them in the top six in the same way that. Jokic will do that out West. I, I think we can yeah. almost end the conversation there in terms of where we think they'll land. Yeah. One thing, one, one final thing, point I'll say, they've made additions. There's no pressure on the entire organization to come out and succeed. I think it's really going to ultimately come down to 
Doc Rivers as a coach and the mentality of this Philadelphia team. Because it's a big hump that they have to get over. Everything that's gone on with the process and how they haven't been to even a conference final since with AI back in 2001. It's a mental thing. It's it's something that's always telling them that they're not good enough. They have to get over that hump and it's going to be pressure on Doc Rivers. Is he still a, a guy who can compete as a coach at the top level in the modern NBA? Over the last couple of years, he seems to be waning this is arguably his his last shot to prove it. Yeah, I th- I think I think what should happen, and we should recognize, hopefully, hope hope hope. You're talking about you know getting Harden back to his Houston days, and that Harden system is is quite simple. It's very simple. It's emphasizing spacing. It's emphasizing you know what Harden does. So if that's what happens. Doc Rivers' job gets a lot easier. Coaching that, figuring that out is not that hard. It becomes on the defensive side, obviously, that's difficult. Embiid, I think Embiid's a guy, too, where, you know, that that's that's where I wonder how much of their synergy is going to continue to blossom between Harden and Embiid. Hmm. And I, I think a lot of that ultimately is going to be out of Doc Rivers' hands. I, I think it's up to those two guys because they are the stars and they are the guys who will drive this team forward. I'm honestly not going to sit here and say at the end of the season, if Harden and Embiid are doing amazing and Harden's all of a sudden taking all these ISO threes and getting right back to where he was before and Embiid's just continuing to bully people into the next dimension and just scoring 30 a game easily. I'm, I'm not going to be like, wow, doc, thanks for figuring that out. You, you really <laughs> saved this. Head. No, like I, 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 I think, yeah, he needs to still, there's still gripes about his playoff coaching performances. And I'm sure there's a lot about other coaches too, but I'm, I'm going to leave this up to those two guys and I'm going to leave it. We'll close on Harden on that with 76. So I'm going to leave it up to him because I know we're going to get out of Embiid and that's it. That's why he's there. He's that second half of the system. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna allow Doc to to take credit if if Harden just comes back to what he is. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think I can agree with you on that. Now that that's uh, that's good good way to good way to end that that conversation. What about the one C from last year? I don't think we have too much to say. I think Boston and Milwaukee. I think they're both teams we know. Yeah. Are going to be back next year, arguably better than they were last season and they're going to improve but the Miami Heat they've ultimately finished as the number one seed 53 and 29 but it looks like they're going to be running it back I know they're engaged in, in potential talks about Mitchell and maybe Durant but do they need to make a move like that to stay as one of the top three seeds in the Eastern Conference that, here's the interesting thing to that is the answer to that is no, because they've already answered that this year. I think the Miami Heat can always play better than their roster. Spolstra will always – i he's a coach that you can give credit for getting the absolute most out of his players. So even if they don't get Durant and they've filled out the roster in another way, like the combinations that he gets will, will get them far enough. So it can happen. I think I'm, – I'm thinking more – I'm thinking more in terms of postseason, I guess, when I when I think of them, because I think the regular season success can come with the the hundred percent effort with the the defensive um, genius that is Eric Spoelstra. Um, but I the question marks that I'll pose for them 
is kind of what you said is the the same running it back continuity I, I think is definitely important like this feels like a relatively new roster you got guys like Max Struess um coming into a major role Gabe Vincent as well and it you just are starting to incorporate Kyle Lowry in major ways and big moments so there's still like room for growth through continuity but I think there's also room to grow in the wrong direction too because Kyle Lowry is still not answering questions about his health at this stage of his career um and if there is any answers it's to say that he's probably he's probably just about up maybe he has a Chris Paul renewal but it seems like that's a little bit gone right now Tyler Hero um you're not going to discredit the major work that he put in throughout the season averaged 21, five and four. And I guess we talk about injuries, whatever Then he went to 12.6, four and three in the playoffs. So do we look at all the depot then is that's the major change and like getting him healthy, maybe it's possible. Um, Butler stays in his prime. Like the way that he's playing right now, it's unreal. I hope so. I love Jimmy Butler. Um, but when does it end? And it kind of feels like with guys like him and Marta Rosen who are kind of hitting that, that sketchy part of your career where maybe things fall off, maybe they start to decline, maybe they both stay just as good. But that's a, that's a question where I can go in the wrong direction. There's, there's just a lot in the air for me to expect that in terms of their talent and the people um, in their locker room right now, that they're going to get a major boost compared to other teams in the East that – I think there's a lot more potential for them to grow. That's where I think I, I stand with the heat. I think I know that they can do it in the regular season, but do they have the ceiling raisers on their team to go further than what they did last year? I can't answer yes to that right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same. I think obviously we know what we're going to get out of them in the regular season. They're still going to be a top, a top four, top five uh, team in the Eastern Conference. It's just when it gets to the playoffs. And I remember we discussed before about uh, playing through Bam at a bio more. If they're not going to be able to make any big moves in the trade market or anything, I think that's something they have to look to do more consistently throughout the season and then be able to rely on it when they get to playoff time. Remember I talked about that great game he had when they beat uh, the Celtics in game three, was it? The first, the first game over in Boston. And they played through Bam and he had an absolute monster night. But they didn't do it again for the rest of the series. They ultimately lost it in seven games. But you made the point that they can't just decide to do that come come playoff time. They have to do it more consistently. And hopefully he can be healthy for, for a larger part of the season this year. He obviously had struggled with some injuries last year. And they have to find a way to play through him more because it can't just be Jimmy Butler ball come playoff time. They need to have other options. And we've seen, unfortunately, Hero have shortcomings when it gets to the to the crunch time. But that's 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 where they have to make improvements within the roster that they've got if they're going to just run it back. Because don't get me wrong, I don't think they should give up the seven or eight first round picks that apparently Danny Ainge wants for uh, for Donovan Mitchell, and God knows what they might have to give up to try and get Kevin Durant. So. They're still in a good spot if they want to run it back, but they've got to make the, some little adjustments to be in a position to to remain competitive with the likes of the Bucks, the Celtics, 76ers, and likely a couple more teams. Yeah. 
I, I think, um, I think I'd solidly look at the Celtics and Bucks one A one B, and I would look at the Heat and 76ers. Ah, someone in the same position. Someone in the same position. I think uh, I have more faith in the Heat than I do the 76ers, just because as an organization, what they can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's how I still feel strongly about the that top four. I, I do. As as much as I, I want to believe that a certain team will will crack into that, I think that's uh, if I were a betting man, that's what I'm putting my money on. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd have to agree there. What what about teams that could possibly make make the jump up there? Well, we won't talk about the next the Nets because they're still a bit of a question mark. But your Bulls are one team that were right up there as top one, top two seed for most of the season until injuries sort of derailed the good things that you were doing. Hopefully, if you're back this year and you're healthy, can the Bulls step up and, and make and make the break into that top four in the in the Eastern Conference? I think, I, and that's that's a hard maybe, and probably not. But I'll I'll talk about the maybe because that's what's fun to talk about. <laughs> I can I can sit here and be, be negative about like why that's less realistic. Um, what I will say though is there are many things about the season that are repeatable. You look at the the top five defense that they had in that first half of the season, and yes, I was with health, but also it was without Pat Williams. Did not have your primary wing defender. You had Alex Caruso. You had um, Javante Green playing the three. Uh, Javante Green sometimes playing the four, and Lonzo Ball sometimes guarding up on threes and fours. Like you're really stretched thin in terms of your wing depth. And they still managed to be a top five defense with their point of attack with Caruso, with Lonzo, with, uh, I mean, Vucevic was fine actually for most of the season, a fine defender was not the sieve that everyone made him out to be. And I think the, a lot of that is repeatable. You add Pat Williams and I think you're still going to be hovering around top five, top seven defense with what they did. Um, can DeMar DeRozan be an MVP candidate again? Uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, that was pretty magical. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you... it's the time for Levine to take over that role. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's probably not – if I notice, you know, a change in numbers next season, I'm not going to assume, like, that DeMar DeRozan's, like, regressing, but – pay attention to Levine continuing to ascend. Because last year, he honestly wasn't healthy. You played through it. You played through hand injury. You played through um, nagging knee injuries. Luckily, he had a very minor procedure done this season. And clearly, there's nothing wrong long-term. Clearly, obviously. (laughs) But I I think we can assume that Levine's going to continue to get better because he's done it every single year. That's something that I can assume. He's continue to add pieces of his game. He's continued to demonstrate that in the right um, system with the right players around him, he is engaged on defense. He's not going to be a major plus defender, but he's not going to have the major lapses that you've seen before. So you expect him to improve. You got Io Desumu, second round pick last year. The fun story, but legitimate kind of player. Can I, can I nerd out about Io Desumu? Is that, is that too far? Yeah, too far? Probably too far. All right, we'll get there later. But you just have all the all these guys that I think will get better. Vucevic had one of his worst three-point shooting years. 
I, I think all this to say that they are a team with health and continuity that I think can vault themselves way higher. Are they the number one seed that they were for the first three months of the season? Probably not. But um, I think they can still aim for that. That's still a possibility. It's within their reach. Um, one final point on them. Have they done enough to kind of plug the hole of the, the defense against the likes of Embiid and Giannis? Because they were two guys that destroyed the Bulls uh, with relative ease last year. Have they done what they could to try and plug that hole just a little bit obviously tough to do two of the best players in the league but have yeah they exactly like like they maybe this is a cop-out but how, how you tell me Ronan, who's who has been plugging the hole against Giannis Antetokounmpo one of the most dominant players in Shaq yeah, who, yeah. who's 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 plugged that hole yeah yeah no, there's, there's no there's yeah no yeah not a lot of teams have plugged just, that hole running how about Embiid some how many solutions how many te- how many teams have a solution for Embiid the the MVP uh Second MVP voting this year. Also, one of the most dominant players in Shaq. I I don't know. It's right, it's really right. tough questions right. to be asking the Bulls here. That's that's a little unfair. They get they, they get the back if you wanted in the pig. That's that's how I put it. Like. Um. All right. Fine. That see. Thank you. You phrase that in a way that at least I can genuinely answer. <laughs> but um, am I happy that Andre Drummond was the eventual pickup? And that's with a lot of our mid-level exception that I felt was kind of an overpay over the veteran minimum. And we gave him a player option next year. Am I happy about that? No, no, I'm not. But what else was there? I mean, the, the free agent market wasn't incredibly deep this year. It probably would have taken a sign trade of some sorts, a, a trade of some sorts. Um, you guys actually ruined that for us. I mean, we probably would have been uh, thinking of getting your guy from the Clippers that the Knicks signed. Um, what's his face again? Um, Hartenstein, Isaiah Hartenstein. That was a major guy that was uh, on the Bulls' radar, and for whatever reason, you guys signed him to play behind Mitchell Robinson, which is which is fine, totally fine, makes sense. But I mean, that was it. That it was, it was that was basically it. So what else could we have done? I don't know. And that's that's not the most heartening answer, but it's kind of the reality and part of the season where, you know, you don't have a ton of options for that position. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think the Raptors, the Raptors are another team where it's kind of hard to, to make the call on them right now. Cause they're still getting linked with uh, making a move for, for KD. Yeah. We still don't know what their roster is going to look like. You hope that they have the young guys. They've got the, the experienced guys that they stay, if they stay and run it back. They'll they'll be able to hopefully uh, to hopefully grow next year. But another one that it's going to be much more interesting to see if they can grow again and take a step on the Cleveland Cavaliers. What? Wait, how did we just you? Just, that's all you were going to give to the Raptors? Well, I'm waiting to see if they make a move. <laughs> we don't know. We, could, we start talking about uh, Scotty Brown's growth and everything, and then they end up trading for Kevin. <laughs> what the hell? What are, we, what are we doing then? Well, I I think what's interesting. Okay, just two things to say though, like that everything's all in relation to Scotty Barnes. And I I think that's where all the conversation has gone for how the Raptors are going to be next year. But like, it's funny that we immediately forget about Pascal Siakam who got his second all NBA nod and ironically wasn't an all-star and Fred Van Vliet, who is arguably one of the best top three minimum three point shooters, especially off the dribble one of the best point guards in the league. Those two guys, I mean, they've gotten no recognition 
at all. And why aren't they going to be major contributors to the team? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, both, both of those guys, I mean, deserve some recognition when people are talking about how next season is going to look. And Scotty Barnes is obviously a huge part of that, but them being healthy and together, OG and Anunoby as well. I think that's, that's important. We're, we're name dropping a lot. This So we at least got to give them those name drops. Precious or precious to chew up. Maybe he gets better and maybe he's a net. Maybe, this, maybe it's all true. Maybe this is all a moot point because they just end up being nets and Raptors yeah, steal another superstar. Van Vliet and Siakam do do their thing again. They'll be they'll be really solid players. Van Vliet be not far off All Star level. Siakam will be All Star level. And you see growth in the likes of Trent Jr., OG, Scotty Barnes, Achua. It's another it's a it's another great young team that's building here in. Uh, in Toronto, and obviously, I always like to praise Nick Nurse because I think he's one of the best coaches in the league, and they've got him leading the pack. Of course, they have are in great position to 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 take another another step on next season. I think they're more you can be more confident in them taking the step. That's why I wanted to jump to Cleveland because they're kind of a bit more of a question mark. Can yeah. they take that leap that they did last season? Can they do it again this year? It's it's a bit a bit of a harder question to answer. Yeah, I think what I like about the Cavs in general is the fact that they have proven as an organization to be patient. They're going to be patient, and they've literally talked about this at length. You know, they're not going to be too hasty and try and just add around Garland, add around Mobley. They're going to continue to grow organically, and I, I think that's that's significant. Uh, that's that's a that's a culture setting group there and i don't know if that bodes to me that you know they're not going to i I don't i don't know where they're going to be next season in terms of standings at the end of the year but i don't i don't know What, what do you feel about the first half of the season last year it felt pretty real it felt pretty real what they did on the floor defensively with and having three bigs on the floor managing that and playing just a completely different style than other teams. My question with that, however, is while they were zagging, while every other team was zigging, running those three bigs, you have a whole bunch of film now that teams are going to dig into throughout the whole offseason. Is that a play style then that's going to be figured out in a way? Yeah, I think that's that's where you would that's where you'd look to you think that it's the type of of style that with and uh, with enough tape, the better the better teams will be able to to figure it out. It kind of feels like I think I don't know they they obviously the clubs never really are able to make any uh, major signings or free agency or anything like that. So it's basically going to be them running. I the mean, back. they got Robin Lopez. Oh crap! I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Disrespect. And uh, it's uh, one 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 question mark for them is that. They do they resign Sexton? That's yeah, that's that's on my, my board here. Um, <laughs> I keep seeing too much fake news about the Mavs getting him, and that's just a Dallas wet dream. But I don't I don't know, man. What's the market for for Colin Sexton now? Because Brunson just signed with uh, Dallas, or not Dallas? Sorry, with New York. So New York was the only guy, other guy wanted him. Um, you might have thought, okay, the Pistons, thinking about having a guard like that, and they got their guy in the draft, Jaden Ivey. And Dallas doesn't really have enough. Like the market for Colin Sexton is pretty low. So 
a team like Dallas maybe eventually just gets him and you just hope that that's not a huge mistake on their part. I, I'm still a huge Kevin Porter Jr. fan. I, I think that that's a guy that ended up leaving Cleveland at his talent. Like, you just lost talent there. You'd lose a major talent, Colin Sexton. And that's something I am worried about because you do want to maintain what you had with Garland without Sexton because, like, he just – it didn't feel like he was being, like, pulled down by Sexton. I, I don't mean that like that at all. I don't mean that Sexton's a selfish player or anything like that. But I mean that there's a certain freedom that a guy like Garland can play with when he is like the sole creator at times in that offense. Like there's no need to kind of yin and yang between him and, and Sexton in a way that they had to that allowed Garland to really realize himself. And look, he was an all-star. So it's, it's, it's a tough decision as an organization to make. And they say they're going to be patient, but in this situation, you kind of have to decide pretty soon. Well, they paid. They paid Garland. Obviously, he's got he's got his yeah. uh, his his max deal. So they've kind of made a statement with that. And it's just a question now: is do they try to get Sexton back in on some sort of on uh, on a different deal rather than like a what what he's probably expecting somewhere around like a four four year somewhere 70, 80 million is probably what uh, the minimum he's probably hoping for at this age. Like, let's not forget his last healthy season, he averaged twenty four points per game on. 47 37 81 splits so that's that's pretty good going for a guy his size he's got he's got serious scoring ability just a question mark with him and garland in the backcourt can you provide enough cover defensively to actually try and march on with those two that's where the the question mark lies but with garland i think it's gonna be interesting to see where where his game goes this year Uh, obviously last year he averaged 21.7 points 8.6 assists Good splits, 46, 38, 89. Solid scoring uh, on 17 attempts a game. And he's he's gone up three attempts a game each season he's been in the league. So I'm wondering, does he take that extra leap now this year? Or is the 17, 18 mark, is that kind of his his peak there and his his playmaking takes over when you get it, possibly having Sexton back in, getting Evan Mobley more shots potentially? The likes of maybe Levert can become a little like Tyler Hero, Clarkson type off the bench. It's going to be interesting to see what way they try and build around if they they find that they're in the right good spot with him shooting wise, and they just want to really increase his playmaking that bit more rather than his shooting attempts. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's actually a really interesting point in general. Like, I, I do believe. It does differ by system, but there are definitely there's definitely a limit to what these players can do from an output perspective. Like you, you just shave off a little bit from what a player is expected to do production wise, and they become way more efficient. And I think it's a primary prime example of uh, what is what is the term? It's a macro economics <laughs> uh, diminishing returns, diminishing returns, right? It's an example of diminishing returns. Like the more that you're you're forcing garland to create then maybe you're getting diminishing returns and you can get more out of that by him sharing a backcourt um i think you know you can't make an educated answer on that without really intimately knowing their game so i'm actually i'm not going to sit here and and say that i would have the answer to that but I, i think i think i just go back to to that question is as a front office if you you have to 
have a vision. And I think it's pretty clear what they believe in. So they committed to Garland. Like they committed to him and they did not commit to Sexton. And I, you know, I do believe that he's shown the ability to tirelessly create offense in his third season as a point guard. And I think that you just have to believe as an organization that's going to be patient, that's claimed to be patient, that's clearly building around Garland and Mobley, that they're going to give him every chance possible to at least find out where that point is that you get those diminishing returns. I, I'm not su- surprised if you look at him like three years from now and he's taking like Trey Young, Steph Curry volume. Like, and I think maybe that's the point where you hit the diminishing returns, but I'm not surprised if they push it to that limit because I think he's that dynamite of a creator with the ball. So I, I think they'll I think they'll continue to push it. And you know, I'm, it's surprising me here. I, I am taking another look and I'm realizing that you know Sexton hasn't even gotten an offer from another team. They're not going to sign him, dude. They're, he's going to get the qualifying offer unless someone comes out of the woodworks. But another interesting thing here is. Um, you know, would, would the, I don't know, would the Cavs like just do him a solid and try and get something out of it? Like if they, if they wanted to upgrade from Lowry marketing, honestly, and they wanted Maxi Kleber and they wanted, um, I don't even know what else, Matt, but Maxi Kleber, getting Maxi Kleber on that squad for Lowry marketing. And if you could find a way to make that, that money work, and then getting off of Sexton like there's, there's probably a way for them to, to build out in a way that they can lose Sexton and gain something back, give Sexton a solid, let him grow somewhere else. And that's, that's the, the big decision to make. And it's a tough one. I mean, this is, <laughs> this all comes down to vision. It all comes down to what people believe and people who are watching a lot more tape than we are, but that is still a tough, a tough decision to make. Yeah, yeah, so I've got to pay the big bucks to make the to make those big decisions. So we'll wrap it up here. What do, what do we go? Any more teams that have some big question marks? I think the Hornets are an interesting one. Yeah. Just Can I tell you why they're not? Lamelo, because obviously Bridges is having his issues off, off the court. We don't know really what's gonna how that could uh, that's gonna affect him his uh, his play time or anything like that. It's I mean, hopefully his playtime is – hopefully Miles Bridges' playtime is once a day for an hour. <laughs> yeah. If you catch my drift. But you, yeah. I, I think the Hornets are, are, are fun, and I think they should remain fun. And that, that's, that's the point. I think they're still growing. They're going to get their new, new coach. New coach. Actually, it's not a new coach, if you really think about it. I mean, they're new and let, <laughs> let's, I, I just need to address this, the fact that um, – Clifford didn't even wasn't even like a first interviewee. He wasn't in the first wave of interviews. Like he wasn't a guy that they wanted. <laughs> so I just don't understand. I, I don't understand the hire. But I, as a coach, I mean, he's a good coach. Got the Magic to the playoffs like, two out of the last three years. Um, the two out of the three years that he was there, rather. And I believe that they'll definitely improve defensively with him. Borrego just was unable to get these athletes to be a good defensive team, even though I thought they could be. They got fun guys that I think could get a lot better. PJ Washington, great shooter. Jalen McDaniels could be a great defender. Booknight hasn't done anything. So there's, there's fun here. 
but I don't think they're ready. Gordon Hayward is like their only real stable veteran contributor that is not stable because he's just he's constantly, constantly injured. It's always something new. Um, and I, I guess I'll, the only one thing I want to say about the Hornets is YouTube JT Thor. <laughs> Look up his uh, summer league highlights and imagine that on an NBA court. That seems pretty fun. And then not see it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just, no, dude, this, this guy was electric. And the way he was shooting too, I mean, look at my, I think he's like almost seven feet. Almost seven feet. Mm-hmm. He moves like a young. There you go. You can check, check that out and let's see if we actually ever get to see him on an NBA floor for the Charlotte Hornets. That's, that's hey. the next step. And the Hawks, where can they go? If Trey and DeJounte click instantly, they just provide what the other one exactly what the other one needs especially on the offensive end murray provides that extra bit of cover on the defensive end and the roster stays the same like they have it now where where can the hawks go this year how close can they get to uh to, a, top, a top six spot in the east and not having to worry about the plan um i'll bring up the questions first there's there's some questions and that that maybe we'll answer it First question in relation to DeJounte Murray, does Trey Young know how to play off ball? Mm-hmm. We don't know yet. We haven't, we haven't seen it in the NBA really. Um, John Collins, is, is that a committed relationship between these two teams, uh, these two parties? Is, is that commitment real? I, it feels like it from Collins end, but just like that hasn't been reciprocated organizationally. Is Clint Capella's decline, is that, is that legit? Is that health-related? Is that long-term? We'll have to dig into that. Um, and those three things, I, I feel like, are the biggest things for me. You know, if, if, if Capella is still just not at that same level, he's not an impact around the rim, then you got to look to Okongwu. That, that center position for a guy like him, can he take the role of a BAM type of guy? Because if he can't, he's too small to be there. Can DeAndre Hunter stay healthy? There, there are just a lot of questions here on this team that I think they have great potential for sure, but I'm not as confident in them. And I guess if we're doing some sort of tier of confidence thing, I, I don't put them below the Hornets. I would put them below the Cavs. I'd put them below the Raptors. I'd put them below the Bulls with confidence. And I wouldn't feel insane to feel like Detroit even has the potential to be at a similar level if all things break right, if all yeah, things break right. Yeah. But yeah, uh, my, in my head, I'm looking at the Magic and the Pistons. Obviously, they had the two worst records in the, in the East last year. I'm looking at both of them likely getting at least 10 more wins this year, but also probably not being ready to really make any sort of sort of splash in like uh, you think the magic are going to get 10 more wins i think i think they could i think with paolo paolo coming in uh like the likes of Suggs and a couple of the other young guys kind of developing that little bit more i think they they are capable of doing it they're so they're going to be a 30 win 30 win team it's still still sorry a 32 win like a 13th seed uh, record now (laughs) i don't I don't think the rest of the league is getting worse like that. I don't know. That I would ha- that would have to be like Paolo Bancaro would have to be like a special like 
like a LeBron kind of talent. I don't know. Then they make that joke because I don't think they have enough. Or I, you know what? We said the Cavs couldn't do any of this. So why in July? Why are we saying yes or no? Honestly, like just to talk about the the maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe Paul is that good, and he he and Cole Anthony are great. It's, there's so many question marks about their 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 roster. I mean, does Jonathan Isaac play? What is is he healthy? I I have no idea. The only thing I've heard about Jonathan Isaac is him like releasing a book on Amazon. Like, does he still play basketball? I don't know. Um, but that's maybe that's a surprising team. They have a whole. They have just a rut, a glut of uh, forwards and a glut of lead guards. Like, so someone just needs to take the role here. Bankero is a guy that everything becomes clear. Honestly, like he's good enough where you're like, okay, who fits around him? Everybody else out the door. You know, I hope that's what they do this season. I, I don't hope that they try and accelerate things. I hope that they do try and intelligently design their team with the current youth that they have around him. But man, 10 wins. That's, that's generous. You, you're, you're a generous guy. Everyone, everyone in the league gets 10, 10 wins. Every, everybody gets 10 wins. Even, even the Knicks. How many more? All right, all right. Yeah, we'll finish our quick lines on the three. The three teams left in the in the East. We got the Pacers, the Wizards, and the Knicks. We'll start with the Knicks. I'm just looking at it. Can RJ Barrett go out there and earn himself a max contract, and in doing so, lead the Knicks back to some sort of success? They're going to have to be better. They've made some moves. They got Brunson in. They're apparently still in discussions to try and get Mitchell too. They are not. They have not sat back and just thought, okay, yeah, we'll just let it fly this year. So the pressure's on. They have to go out and try and be at least, at the very least, in the playing and actually be worthy of, of uh, competing to try and actually make it into the playoffs. That's the absolute minimum. But I think I have to hope that RJ Barrett is looking at the likes of uh, his former Duke teammate Zion, the Jam Morant, all those guys getting those super max deals and saying, I want one of those. I'm going to go out and show the New York what I can do this year. Hmm. Is Donovan Mitchell better than RJ Barrett? Offensively, probably, yeah. As a two-way player, no. Maybe. That's that's a big question. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come out here and disagree with you, but I, I think it's really interesting that we're asking that question at this juncture. I will say that shows market improvement with how RJ Barrett has played. That he's proven that at least that's a legitimate question. I'll at least say that, but that should be fun. Um, and wizards. wizards. What, are we <laughs> what is our one liner for the wizards? What are we gonna, like what are we like? Beal's back. That's 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 what they're adding. What's, what's Porzingis going to be like? Is Kuzma going to be able to take another jump? What are their young guys going to be able to do? The Wizards or is Johnny Smith players. or is Johnny Davis rather? Is he is he a, is he a rising star? I don't know, man. Uh, what's my one-liner? Um, Denny Avdia, maybe shooting for outside chance at all NBA defense, all, all defensive team. Maybe they get better defensively, you know, like they, I don't know, man. I wanted to believe in them for the first like three weeks and then that just, that just fell apart too quickly. That's my one-liner. <laughs> yeah, Wizards are very much a, a wait and see. And then the Pacers is just kind of the question, are they going to get better or are they going to fall 
deeper and be in a position where they're looking to get a top a top uh, draft pick in next uh, next year's uh, draft. Rebuilding. There will be there will be a league pass team. Tyrese Halliburton, um, Benedict Matherin, and I think you you look at those two guys. I mean, that's a really really fun uh, backcourt to work with. That that's a that's a league pass team. They'll they'll feel like watching the Rockets. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I'd agree. I think uh, obviously they what were they twenty five and well twenty five and fifty seven last year. I have to imagine they're going to be somewhere around that mark, somewhere around like the 20 and 60 sort of mark. And they'll be, well, if, if the magic are winning picks. 32 games, then we have to <laughs> cut them down running. Right? Someone's got to lose here. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think uh, the magic have more found their, probably believe they found their final piece to build around. Whereas the Pacers are not so sure quite yet. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. And they, they will, they, you know, there's actually gonna be a really interesting dynamic this year in both conferences where this is legit tank year. Like Victor Webanyama, like if you have not heard the name people, Victor Webanyama, that guy is going to be all over your Twitter feed if he isn't already. And that is a guy that teams will be clamoring over fake injuries and signing G League guys, you're, you're going to see entire G League rosters put out on an NBA court at the end of the next year. And you better believe the Pacers are going to be shutting people down for it. Miles Turner will, will, will step on a Lego, one of his big Lego sets that he's <laughs> set up and get an injury at the end of the next year and won't be playing. I guarantee it. Yeah, I think, I think, I think we can agree with that. I think that's uh, that, brings a, uh, that brings a close to our our. Our big Eastern Conference whiteboard there. Is that a whiteboard? All right. So we've we've set up the questions. We'll do our homework. We've had a lot of questions here, and we will look at these teams, and we do want to get a good feel for what these teams will be like and what players, you know, might have been uh, putting in that work. We talked with Coach a couple episodes ago about that kind of training, and I think, you know, maybe we have hope that players like Harden will get better but it'll be interesting to see the players actually put in the work and maybe we'll be able to make some predictions about uh, real individual players and their progression. But as we continue throughout these dog days, uh, right, I was texting about it. The fact that I was looking at Isaac Okoro, we didn't even get to talk about Isaac Okoro's shooting splits. And I spent almost 40 minutes looking through it. I mean, that, that was, this is prime dog days. I never want to do that again. My eyes are just burning. <laughs> Well, let's hope you never have to do that again. And so uh, we'll, we'll be able to lean towards getting some more important answers and maybe some uh, more important deals going down, you know? Yeah. yeah. Until then, thanks for sticking with us, guys. We will see you all later. Hope you have a great and cool rest of your week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.